Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All the Things podcast, episode number eight, Learning New Technologies. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Curran. What have you been up to this week, Mike? Yeah, I just had my wedding. Everything went pretty well. Heck yeah, there, man. Matt. Yeah, yeah. What about Uber escapades? <laughs> yeah, always escapades, but not not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, yeah, other than that, I've been researching some stuff for the backend side of Hat and doing client work. Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, same sort of thing. Yeah, we've been really we've been really busy with the with the client work, and then it's just sort of been you know end of summer kind of stuff. So we're running around. Uh, we did like your wedding and your party, and then I have like a, a, even a trip next week. So I've been kind of prepping for that. So, but it's starting to starting to slow down now, which is good. I think it's kind of starting to slow down for now for both of us. So that'll really help us kind of pump out more content for HTML, all the things. Uh, but as always, uh, we have a bunch of segments for you in this episode, um, and I'm going to go through them just like we always do. Segment number one, getting started. Segment number two, when to learn new technologies. Segment number three, get up and running quickly. And of course, these have sub-segments as well. And segment number four, well, actually, specifically, it's web news, the recurring segment, but I'm doing a, a, a double a double dinger web news uh, this week because Mike has a bunch in this episode. So our web news segment this week is cell phone longevity and endurance. We also have something else of note as well. Uh, it won't be specifically in this episode, but we're going to try something new, a sort of little tidbit of an episode, if you will. So we're thinking, and and this is all conceptual, so if it doesn't happen, that's why, but we're thinking we're going to do sort of a, a planning session. We're going to record a planning session and sort of have it so that it's sort of almost like a candid planning session so you can kind of hear one of our meetings. And we're going to we're going to possibly do more of these in the future. Again, totally conceptual. But this one specifically is going to be how, like, the very one of the very first planning sessions for how we're going to be tackling htmlallthethings.com. So now they're actually going to try to hit that. I know we mentioned it every single episode, but we're going to try to get something concrete out there. And, uh, you know, that just keep an eye out on your various podcast subscription thing, whatever, where, whichever app you're on, uh, if you want to uh, catch that little tidbit episode, which may be releasing later this week. So I'm going to start out here with segment number one, getting started, as I said, and there's several subsections here. So the first subsection we're going to go is we're going to identify your objectives. So basically what you want to do is you want to ensure that when you select a new technology, so when I say new technology, typically it's a framework, but it could be a framework, a plugin, or some sort of related product. Maybe you're using like a pre-made hosting solution, something, right? Whatever you're trying to do. One thing you really want to make sure it it does is that it it fulfills your, your objectives. So you really want to, you know, choose a project, whether, and that project could be that you want to learn something specific, that could be your objective right there. And then it's easy. But, you know, if you have a project coming up and you say, Hey, you know, Vue would be great for this. You know, I think, I think Vue would be great for this. Let me get all my objectives in order for my projects, you know, everything I need, what it needs to do, et cetera, et cetera. And then make an informed decision based on views or whatever framework or plugin that you're using. So, you know, make sure all your bases are covered. Make sure that, you know, it's a, it's secure enough or that it does the features so that you're not, you know, trying to hack something together later on as you go through the project. And if you're brand new, as I said, with getting started, if you're brand new, the second, second subsection here is do the quote unquote, my first app example. So if you're kind of into programming or if you're into, or if you've even tried any sort of programming at all, a lot of the various powers that be will put together in their documentation a 
my first app example. So they'll, you know, you'll, you'll go to the, my, or getting, go to the getting started section of the documentation and you'll, you'll go through how to set up one very basic first app. So what I'll do personally is I'll, you know, go to the, go to the framework, kind of get everything set up, get everything installed. And then I will do that first app example, get it all set up. And then I'll actually use that as a bit of a foundation for what I'm doing forward. So to get, if I'm just trying to learn the framework with no additional objective, I will specifically go in there and I'll just change stuff around, change the text color, you know, change the animations. If it's some sort of animation library, change the, change the, the, the font, if it's some sort of typography plugin, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just, just try to make small variations, you know, try out a few of the different features, maybe some of the stuff that you've seen, because a lot of these guys will have a kind of a showcase of their, of their favorite projects that were made with their framework. So kind of go in there and, you know, make some variations and maybe even try to mimic, mimic one of those uh, showcase examples just to try to get, you know, a real world example of like, oh, how do I, how did they do that weird flip animation? Okay, you got to use this, this function, et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, Often I'll actually use it as a basic foundation to get started. So one of the hardest things to do when you when you have a project, and we've talked about this in a previous sort of project planning episode, but when you're getting started or you're about to start something new, you know, you kind of don't want to do it when you sit down to do it. You're kind of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, procrastinate or whatever. But what you should do is you should do this My First app that kind of gives you, um, you know, a kick to get going and then Use that my first app and literally completely transform it into what you're doing. So for me, I'll usually choose a very basic project for my first project with a given new framework or new technology. And I'll just make something functional like a photo gallery or something along those lines. Something I've done before, but done on different technologies. And I'll literally just build it out. And I'll take that my first app, which usually just says hello world or something. And I will build my photo, my photo gallery right out of that. So it's kind of like a, a a kick where I download my I download and set up my my first app and get the framework working and everything. You know, my first app is working. I do a little bit of that tinkering, like oh, change the color and whatever, like I mentioned. And then I use then I literally like basically rip it all the pieces, change the names, you know, move the divs, delete stuff, you know, change things, whatever. And then I just literally build a very small project with it. And I find that that helps me get over that hump of like being like oh, I don't want to like you know, dive in and not know how to initiate things. You know, the My First App thing typically will automatically initiate everything for you. And this is like your kick to get going. So that, that's something I definitely suggest. Another thing for, so the next subsection is documentation open. So don't be afraid. And we've said this before in the previous episode, I believe about talking about, you know, searching stuff, Google searching stuff specifically is don't be afraid to have your documentation open. So what I, what I've done in the past and what I do to this day is I'll literally just pull up the documentation. It doesn't matter whether I've, I've worked with that framework, you know, 10 times, one time, I've never seen it before, hundred times, doesn't matter. I'll have the documentation open usually in a tab or maybe on another desktop. And I'll literally just have it there so that I can look things up quickly because what you're doing when you're programming and you'll start getting this if you're, if you're new is you'll start, you'll start developing sort of a way that you particularly engineer things, or maybe a way that you particularly engineer things based on how you were taught in a classroom or something like that. And so you'll be like, Hmm, I really need to, you know, I need a conditional statement here. I need an if here 
But how do I do that in this particular framework? So what I'll usually do is like, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to remember all the different ways to do conditional statements, for example. So I will just pull up the documentation and type in conditional statement. So I do this a lot with things like couch CMS. We use that. We, we use and have used that quite a bit for small business, small business uh, websites. So I'll literally have the couch CMS one open, um, the couch CMS documentation open. Another really good one is the bootstrap bootstrap documentation. Same thing. I'll have the bootstrap documentation open right there and I'll be flipping through and I'll be like, Oh, I forget how, how, or what the class name is for aligning these items in uh, flexbox. Or I, re- I forget, is it like D flex or is it D dash flex? Like, what is it? You know, if I just forget, it's not that I don't know what I'm doing. It's just that I'm just going to, you know, type in Flexbox into the search search of the documentation that Bootstrap has to offer, find the page, and just do it. So I'm just kind of engineering my solution almost modularly. So it's kind of coming together. Um, also, as you start doing this as well, so I do this with Couch, is as you start doing this and, and you start going through the documentation and working through a brand new framework, you'll start just kind of knowing it and start just doing it. So with a lot of Couch, uh, Couch CMS specifically, we will, or personally, I will make like, I'll make the page for couch before changing it. So for example, when I first started making websites for couch, I would make a static site, then go in and add the couch section. So couch, as I said, is a CMS and I would make the dynamic sections that the CMS could edit after I would like cut out the piece and do it. Now I, I, before even actually installing couch, I have the couch tags in and I have the, the, the Dom specifically structured. Um, so that it's it's already like couch compatible, if you will, and it's already ready for couch to accept. So as you start going through that documentation, you're going to notice that you're going to go through it less and less and less. And then also when you come back, so let's say you use Bootstrap for a while and then you stop using it and you come back a year later, you're going to be rusty. You're going to need that documentation, but it's like muscle memory. It'll start coming back to you. So don't be afraid to keep that documentation open. And that's exactly what it's there for. So use it, especially if it's a good piece of documentation. And also another thing talking about that procrastination slash kind of like it bars you from, you know, going to the next step is make sure you use the easiest start. So one of the things that I had trouble with when I first wanted to learn bootstrap was I looked at all the different install methods and there's like a whole bunch, right? Oh, you you know, you SAS with this, you know, you install with NPM, you do this, you install this, you do that, use the CDN, use this. And sometimes though the documentation that's given to you by the person that made that framework will specifically say, this is the best one. And sometimes you, the best, the best method, maybe it's NPM. Maybe you don't have NPM installed on your computer. Now that's a quick, you know, you could do that, but it's another thing where you're going to be like, Oh, I, ha- I installed NPM today. That's good. I'll just like put off working on the, the project for later. Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. What you should do is you should just do the one that works best for you. So what I did when I first started Bootstrap was I just said, the heck with this. I don't want to install anything. I think I had NPM installed, but I didn't want to touch it. I said, the heck with this. I'm going to literally take their example of using the Bootstrap CDN. And I used the Bootstrap CDN and I was going through and doing, you know, working with Bootstrap and learning my Bootstrap. And then what I did was I said, okay, easy enough. Now what I'm going to do is I'm starting to get more advanced with Bootstrap. I need to do more stuff. I need to have those files not on the CDN. And then I just use my documentation. So he's coming together now, use my documentation, figured out how to pull it off, you know, download the files to start using SAS and compiling it differently. So slowly you will develop it. But I needed that kickstart of just here, copy and paste these links that go to like these link tags that go to the, the, the bootstrap CDN so that I can get started and get my, get my skeleton going. So then I get in the groove and then I just start going and just bang out a project. And that's basically 
how I get started with a new technology plugin or framework. Uh, I don't know if Mike has anything else to add there. Yeah, um, I like what you said there at the end. Um, just to get started, get do the easiest way. Another another point on that is like do something that you're familiar with. Just like you're saying, so if you're not familiar with npm, use the other ways to do it. Uh, it there's no there's nothing wrong with that. It, there's no point in learning multiple technologies right away. Like you should try to give your, give yourself that familiarity so it doesn't overwhelm you. So yeah, that was a good point, man. Yeah, it's one. It's definitely it's definitely one of those things where it it, it scares you. Like I've never used Bower, for example. And when mm-hmm. we were first looking at Bootstrap years ago, I was like, I, I think um, if I remember correctly, it's been a while now. There's like some sort of Bower install with with bootstrap and i was like oh i don't know what that is so i'm not going to use this software and i ended up not using it for like a year i just kept doing you know my my pure html css and then eventually i was just like i'm just going to try this cdn thing and that just like you know gave me essentially a kick in the ass to get going so Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so that's definitely don't get overwhelmed when you're when you're starting out with something new for sure Mm -hmm. so yeah uh let's move on to the next segment then i'll take over from now thanks matt uh so segment two when to learn new technologies so i want to start off with something pretty important and like i know everyone likes to go go gung-ho and learn new technologies and like always always be up to date but when you're dealing with clients it becomes a little more complicated uh so make sure that you weigh what like is it worth learning something new while I'm working on a project for a client? Because it's obviously going to add more hours to the project or using something I'm familiar with that can do the job just as good. So make sure you're always doing that kind of weighing, especially when you're working with clients, when you're working on personal stuff too, like, cause you got to value your own time. Sometimes that you want to put that weight there, but obviously when you're working with clients, that weight becomes more important because you're talking about someone else's money, not only your own time. So, when you do weigh that, make sure that you're upfront with your client about the fact that, yeah, you know what, I found a really good use case for this new technology that I want to learn. And you're the like, I'll be using it on you. Um, I know I can do this. It's not going to take me that long to start up. But like, is, is it okay if it's going to be a few couple more hours, you will get benefit from it because of A, B and C, like always go through it with them Why you're choosing a technology don't don't just use it and then surprise the client with like an extra five or six hours of work because you didn't articulate to them why uh you decided that and clients are usually okay with it some 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 want you to complete it faster some will want you to like use a technology that they're familiar with as well depending on how technical the client is so always that back and forth but make sure that you're upfront with it um and then you can also like when you're learning a technology depending on how uh how it goes you can give the client a small break on like oh i was reading about off-topic thing on that technology that doesn't really apply to my client maybe i won't charge them for that couple hours of reading so be be like flexible with the client you you you're, he's paying you to learn something which is awesome already so make sure that you're not taking advantage of that um, and then also when you're doing when you're when you're doing the research for the client if the if you want to use that technology just like matt said always know and always do that like a, a significant amount of research before going into it because you could get into a situation where you choose technology, you put all this time into it, all your clients' time, all your mo- all that money, and it turns out that it's not compatible. So you're like, uh-oh, like halfway into developing and you can't do it with this. You're going to have to somehow revert to something else. So I actually have a story with that. Um, I was doing CSS Grid for one of my projects, and as far as I knew at the time, everything was compatible with it, all the devices that we were going to use with CSS Grid. 
And I did the layout, it, everything was awesome, the client really liked it. But once we started implementing, we realized that some iPads were, were on older versions of iOS that would be using this technology, that would be using this application that we're creating, and CSS Grid wasn't supported by those iPads. So like, bam, I just got hit, obviously. It, it's, a, it's a really dumb mistake on my part, um, since I should have built in a back, like a way to, for it to go back to uh, responsive design in, on Flexbox. But really, like the the amount of the amount of time that I was allotted wouldn't have allowed for that. And either way, I had to charge the client a little more. He was okay with it. Uh, I was upfront with what happened. We're still working together, so it's not it's not a big deal as long as you're upfront with it. But really, you want to avoid those kinds of things. So learn from my mistakes. Try to try to make sure that the, the technology that you're using will benefit the client and not actually like cost them money for no reason. Um, I so, sometimes you got to go around it. Like sometimes uh, you have situations where you do it, everything is fine, and the client adds on to the project that, that's not supported. That's not supported with that technology you chose. Like, so you didn't know about this requirement, and all of a sudden it's added on. So you either have to go with a back and forth with the client, or you have to maybe go with something like building it yourself. Like, I, Matt, you, you had situations with, uh, I believe, Couch, where you had to like build in functionality into Couch that wasn't there because some of our clients like added functionality on top of a project, right? That that and Webflow as well. I made like, my Webflow, own like, yeah. plug-in. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like it, it's going to happen and you're going to have to be flexible and the client will have to be flexible because that will take more hours, but they're they're asking for something over, over top of what they asked initially. So they're usually okay with that. But yeah, so make sure you do that. That's an important one. So then the next the next reason or reason to learn a new technology would be a performance boost. So some some databases are better than other databases. Like there's MongoDB, there's SQL, uh, they're better, like there's certain things that each are better at. I, I can't think of the top of my head for those things, but I know like with Node.js, uh, if you're choosing a backend framework like PHP or Node, you want to, if you're choosing Node and, you, and you're thinking about performance, you want to think like how many concurrent connections are going to happen to the server at the same time. So if there's a lot of concurrent connections like a chat application or if it's like a video watching and uploading and sharing application, you're going to think Node because that's what Node is good at. It's good at concurrent connections and it's good at making like putting them into a queue and and, and, and handling that, whereas PHP can get overloaded with that kind of stuff. So when you're doing perform when you're doing performance evaluation, new technologies can pop up and be like, OK, well, wow, this thing is performs that much faster than the one that I know really well. Maybe it's worth it that I learn this. Uh, whether it be for client work or your own personal work, like it's going to be an investment of time, but maybe the performance will will benefit everyone, like including the people using the application, the people paying for it. Uh, so th- it's a it's a good it's a good thing to know the performance increase. I know Vue.js when I was when I was doing my research for Vue, um, there's and I haven't been able to test this because it wasn't it wasn't a priority for me, but like the performance of Vue.js is a little bit better than the performance of uh, of React. So I, I, to some people that might be important at the time, it wasn't that important to me, but I still chose Vue because of other things. Uh, but it's, it's great to have that benefit, right? So it, it, it's important. It's important to know when performance is important to, for your choices. Uh, some larger applications will require more thought into that. Smaller applications, you might not care. Like maybe you'll choose React because it has more libraries available. Maybe you're already familiar with it. So yeah, that's that's performance the next thing is popularity so this one really only applies to when you're doing your own your own client like your own work and not client work you don't want to choose something that's popular just because it's popular for clients you want to have an actual reason but 
for popularity, like a, a, a popular framework like React, and this is in comparison to Vue, so uh, React is more popular and it's more in demand right now in the work industry. I'm not saying, like maybe five, three, five years from now, Vue might gain that popularity or another framework might come up and gain more popularity than React. But right now, if you're looking to get a job, it might be worthwhile to look at the ones that are popular and look at look, look at the job market. Go on Indeed, go on uh and any other any other of those job sites and see what people are using using and you can go right now and you can see that react is very in demand angular is still very in demand um so it might be worthwhile when you're when you're just starting out to learn a very popular framework right because that'll give you that advantage over someone that doesn't know it and when you're applying you can you can say that you you, you know it so popularity um definitely plays into this and it another thing is that when you when a when a when a, a technology is popular, it also has a lot of documentation. Uh, it also has a lot of a lot of new tutorials. So it, it's a huge benefit to you when you're learning a popular technology because you have this massive source, massive way to learn. Like when you're learning some some, some small little library that only you know a handful of people use, you really have nothing to go on but the documentation. When you're learning an, an up and coming technology, you really have nothing to go on but the small community that's there. So. Not to say that that's a bad thing. Sometimes you need that. So, going on to the next topic, which is need, the what what do you need in a new technology? So sometimes it's not like it's not about the performance. It's not about it's not about the you know personal versus client. It's not about popularity. It's about what you need. So when you're when you're going through and you're choosing, you, you have your requirements. Choose something that will fulfill obviously those requirements that 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 need. So. Um, if you're if you're gonna if you need a backend technology if you need PHP or Node.js you can't do it with the frontend technology you're gonna have to learn backend so you, you're gonna have to choose one of those technologies and learn it regardless so you're gonna have to create a server you're gonna have to know how to use a server so make sure make sure you're always choosing in in a need category um, and then once you know what you need then maybe you can uh, spe- specifically choose something like PHP or Node based on a performance metric or based on the popularity or based on your, uh, your familiarity as well. Like uh, familiarity is a good, is, is, is a good thing to have even with a new technology. So like when you're going into backend, for instance, and you don't know PHP, but you know, the front end JS, you might want to go to node because the node has that JS, uh, the JS language there. So familiarity is there. You're not overwhelmed with a whole new language, you just have to learn a new technology, a new way of using it. That I, I think that that that's an important thing to look at as well. Um, another another thing, like you want to do cross-platform development again, familiarity. Uh, use Cordova for 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 cross-platform development because you're familiar with it. Because Cordova is just the web the web-based technology. Yes, you'll have to learn how to cord, like have to package an application with Cordova. What not to use, stuff like that. There's definitely a lot to learn, but at least you have that familiarity. You're not getting overwhelmed. There, there are situations when familiarity isn't the trump. Uh, you want it, some, Sometimes you want something to be more rea- responsive. Sometimes there's too, just too much media content uh, for a cross-platform application. I'm just talking about that specifically, but you can use it as a general, uh, general example. Uh, but th- then maybe you can use Flutter. That's more of a cross-platform development. You have to learn a new language, but it, maybe it's worthwhile. So make those decisions yourself. Uh, when you're when you're going through it, but make sure that you're you're looking at the whole picture uh, when you're choosing a new technology. Um, so I'm actually going to go on to the next segment now. Unless Matt, do you have anything uh, you want to add to that? 
Yeah, a couple of points. Uh, I thought the one thing that you mentioned was really good was the so basic based on the I guess it'd be the first subsection there, the personal versus client work mm-hmm. is like some clients and we've had this before is when you foyer into something new. Sometimes like you're mentioning the like how technical they are, and yeah. we've had it like even recently where like they want like they they're like oh okay if we want to start using a new technology let's do it, and we've had it a couple times now where. They'll be, they'll be right there with you. So they'll be like, okay, prepare a research report, like, you know, get five, six, seven, whatever they ask for different solutions to the problem. And like, you know, some of them, you know, some of them you don't and let, you know, list the pros and cons, do the full report, send it to me and I'll decide. And we've, we've done it where we've, where we've had it, where we where, where we've, you know, given the report to them and then they'll, they'll be like, okay, this one's going to take longer, but I like that it has, you know, these four features and I like the price or whatever. And, and like, you know, let's do it. And so like some clients are like that. So, you know, that's one thing to keep in mind is it's not always something like as if, you know, if you're one of the guys that are in a larger company, you don't, you don't really talk to the customer, but some customers want you almost as like a colleague, not a lot, like not a lot of clients do that, but like some actually want you as a colleague. So just like kind of keep that in mind. I think think that's something to, Mm -hmm. cause we, cause we always would like, we like at at face value, like a new client will kind of treat you like a client, like. We, we assume you don't know what you're talking about in the field and then we'll like, you know, explain it to you. But as you start to like, you know, get into the, the flow of working with that person, sometimes they literally want to work alongside you. Maybe they know enough about content creation, but they know nothing about, you know, the web tech, but they've used like WordPress and a bunch of other stuff. So they're there with you. They know they can at least, you know, you can at least have a decent exchange with them. So I think that that's one thing uh, to really keep in mind. And also you were mentioning the um, familiarity too. So one, I think, I think, Another thing, or like one thing that you mentioned was if, if the, if you're, if you're familiar with something, then it's like lesser hours for the client, but in, then, and that, and like, that's very true. But the thing is, is like, if you go to them, if they're asking for something cutting edge and you go to them and you say, Hey, I want to do something cutting edge. Sometimes they'll go along with it. I think you mentioned that too, but I think yeah. that's really key to like, kind of almost like, like highlight, which is why I mentioned it again is because if someone, if, if. Like I, I find that like a lot of a lot of guys will be like almost too timid to bring it up. Like they'll just be like, mm-hmm. I almost want to do something that I'm familiar with. But you're not only expanding your skill set, like your personal skill set, um, you're actually like getting paid for it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to and you know, gauge your own clients. Sometimes guys want a no nonsense. They don't want to hear from you. They don't like they'll they'll see that as an excuse. But sometimes guys will be like, Hell, I I I want more transitions or whatever. So, you know, I'll let's let's give it a go. But like you also mentioned, you got to watch out for when the objective changes or because you don't, because, and this is another familiarity point, you, because you're not familiar with it, you can't answer a lot of questions on it normally. Yeah. So what'll happen is, is like, let's say there's a hundred features, you research the first 10 because that's all you need. You implement it. And then the client, whether they're changing objectives or not, I should mention, may ask a bunch of questions and you don't have the answer to them. So what you, what, what I'm trying to say basically is that you really need to be upfront with the client and say, Hey, this is a new thing. I want to learn this. You know, I got to spend extra time learning it, but make it clear to them that you're new to it. So that when they ask those questions, like it, let's say they, they're, they're on board, they want you to do the new thing, but then they, then they like immediately go and they say like, you know, like, let's say you're having the next meeting with them and they're like, how do you flip this? How do you change the, the typography? Blah, 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 blah. And you don't know. At least they've they have the back end of like like they actually know before you before they start asking those questions that you might answer, Hey, I need to go and research this before mm-hmm. I answer that question for you. Like I'll find out. You know what I mean? But if you just if you because a lot of people will say fake it until you make it. That's mm-hmm. true in some cases, but if you fake it and say you know it and you spent a whole bunch of hours learning it 
and then then you don't know how to answer the client's questions, they're not going to be that happy with you. So gauge your client, gauge your familiarity and kind of it's almost like a you know, like you have to find the balance of which one you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I totally agree. Yeah, exactly. So you want you want to make sure that you want to make sure you're not wasting anyone's time and you want to make, be upfront with it. And, that's and, how I see it. Well, and the thing is, too, is with your CSS grid story there, mm-hmm. that's that's a really key point is because, you know, we're more or less upfront with people. You know, anyone anyone who is willing to because some, some clients don't want to know what you're doing. So, like, sometimes you just don't tell them because they're just like, I don't care. Just, like, make me the site. <laughs> but then there's other clients, right, where, like, you know, you'll explain to them, hey, I want to use CSS Grid or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a new tech. And then you hit that roadblock and you said, like, you know, they're still our client. They understand, you know, if, if you know, like they understand that, hey, we went and we went in, like, we, we jumped into a new tech mm-hmm. tree, essentially. And it's it's, like, totally new or it's very new. And, you know, something went wrong. But... It's not like it's unreasonable where, you know, you sold it as, I've been doing this for 10 years. Let me do that for you. Oh, I actually don't know how to do it. You know, that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. So, I definitely didn't do that. And I, and I still got the approval to go on with CSS Grid. So he, I had that as well. Like it was it was a lengthy process to to kind of talk about it and go go through what CSS Grid is. And I still, it's still good that we learned it and we have used it for other things inside of that, inside of that uh that client's project. So mm-hmm. it was worthwhile, but yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Like, thankfully I was upfront with them and everything turned out great. Could have been worse. Definitely. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. if you, if you're one of those guys that are super confident and everything like the, like the, like, like I said, fake it till you make it. If you try to fake that and then it turns out like, Oh, I actually don't know like three quarters of this. You're going to mm-hmm. have like a shocked client. Whereas, you know, they may be a little annoyed that something didn't work, but it's not like they weren't informed. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's move on to the next segment then. Segment three is get up and running quickly. So this is kind of my take on how to learn something. Uh, it might not be the most perfect take, but like take it, take it as you will. So I start with researching, uh, and I go on to like, like I said in the in last week's podcast, I go on to Google for most things. Um, but I also check documentations, and um, then I make sure that. This this is the part where I make sure that the, the technology will cover all the needs that I've set out or the client has set out. So I make sure that it can cover A, B, and C, and I'm not going to get stuck somewhere. So this is this is work. This is I guess where I went wrong with CSS Grid. So definitely do your research is important. I'm not going to go too far into it because we covered it extensively in the last uh, last podcast. But yeah, definitely research. So then the next thing I'll do once I've researched it and I've chosen maybe one or two different technologies that I that I've, I'm interested in going to, I go and start, I start reading tutorials and I start watching tutorials on YouTube. So I'll just find a tutorial and I see if I like it. I'll see if I, A, like the tutorial, if, if I can find something I like out there and B, B, if I like the technology. So at this point, you should be able to see how it, how everything comes together because we're making, usually a tutorial is making a very simple application. Try to find something that's relevant to what you're going to be doing with it because if it's like a big technology like Vue or React, there's going to be a lot of tutorials out there. So try to find something that's relevant um, and then watch it. Like you don't have to watch the whole thing, maybe skip through back and forth. Like you're not, you're not watching it to actually implement it at this point. You're watching it to learn and see to see if you're if you're compatible with it because some some stuff is just like oh my god I hate this so much and even though everyone's using it I just hate it so much I'm not going to use it so that that that's it uh, but here is where a good place where you can kind of weed that stuff out and find something that you'll actually like to use um, so then you're gonna then you're gonna want to go into documentation so documentation is important 
like Matt was saying, like he, he uses documentation extensively. So do I, uh, if something has really good documentation, it might not need that massive community behind it. It might not need that massive amount of tutorials and, and, and um, like tutorials watching and reading because not every technology that you're going to use, you might use a small library. There's only going to be a certain amount of people that use that. They're not going to write or, or, or like, you know, create a tutorial for it. So if, if it's something like that, cause you're going to need to use it, um, there, uh, there's going to be plenty of stuff in your project that you're going to have to learn how to use new things, new little libraries, new, new frameworks that might not have the greatest community behind it. You're going to need the documentation to be amazing. So make sure that when you're choosing those things that you understand the documentation that you, you know how to implement it. It's not something that's like a totally foreign language to you. Uh, and because if it's a total foreign language at that point and there's nothing to go on on Google or there's no community to ask questions, then that's it. You're boned. Like you can't do anything. There, there's not, there's nothing you can do. So it's a good, it's a good thing to know the documentation. It's a good, if it's a great documentation, a great community, a great, great tutorials, then you have the trifecta of everything that you need to learn something, but at least have the documentation being really great makes it so that you can go through, go through and implement something. So the next thing is the community. Uh, I always look at the community of, of the technology that I'm looking at because I'm, I'm a big fan of like participating, reading posts, uh, seeing, seeing what people are seeing, how people are using it, what questions are being asked. So I, I noticed that, uh, if it's a smaller, a smaller, like library, GitHub sometimes is, is, is the point of the community. So you can go on, like, if it's like a slider or something, right. If it's a slider for, uh, for a CSS or HTML website, then you're thinking like, it, there's not going to be much else other than the GitHub repo. And the GitHub repo has an issues tab. And that issues tab has a bunch like, well, sometimes it has not too many issues, has a bunch of issues. And you can kind of gauge how the, uh, the creator responds. And based on how he responds, you can know that if he's like willing to accept criticism, if he's willing to answer your questions, and if he is, then that's great. Like, bam, you found something that's that's like usable for your needs. You found something where the, the creator of the application is still engaging in the community that he's formed. And you found something that you like if, if you run into a, a problem, you can ask him and he'll probably help you or or other people might jump in and help you, too. You can you notice that in the GitHub issues tab. Uh, there's a bunch of people that will come in and try to fix it for you. I try I, I try to like stay in the GitHub issues tab a lot, too, for stuff that I know. And I try to help people. Um, there, then you can check also check on stack overflow stack overflow is kind of like, in my opinion, kind of a dying thing for newer tech technologies, because it's so there's just there's just a lot of people that don't help. And they're just they're just very aggressive. So if you if you ask a question that's already been asked, uh, even if you if you've you know, if you're asking in a different way, and maybe it's just like, a, maybe it's a totally different question that has the same solution. Uh, people really don't like that. And they'll attack you for it. And usually the people that are attacking will get all the upvotes. Um, I think Matt and I were talking about this recently. So like, it's definitely, it's definitely kind of a hostile community right now. Um, I haven't had too, too much success. I, I have success finding answers. There's not, nothing wrong with that, especially for older tech technologies, like obviously any, any JS or jQuery question, bam, Stack Overflow will get anything for you. HTML and CSS Stack Overflow has all the answers to that. But asking a new question on there, I found to be a little bit hesitant doing it nowadays, even though I haven't had too much bad experience. But like, it's just like that seeing those aggressive remarks kind of like put put a damper on it. But if you can find a commu- if you can find a technology that has good answers and people that aren't very uh, 
aggressive at you, then that's also a good plus. So if you can find a Stack Overflow topic that people aren't going crazy over and they're actually willing to answer your questions, then bam, huge plus for a community there. Uh, there's also communities on like Reddit. There's also communities, uh, just forums in general. Uh, I think those are dying mostly, but regardless, there's a bunch of places to find your communities. I know there's Telegram, Discord groups for all the different, like all different kinds of stuff. So check those out. Make sure that you vibe well with those people. If, uh, if you're one of those people that like to ask questions and that like to answer questions and be part of that community, that, that might be important to you. So the next thing I kind of go into is making of my own version of my first app. So instead, like, instead of going in and creating a hello world, I'll usually like have a goal in mind of creating something very simple, very basic, but has relevance in the thing I'm trying to solve in the problem I'm trying to solve. So I'll create like one portion of the application that I'm creating. Maybe it's uh, just the the first initial like homepage layout in it, or maybe it's just a, uh, as simple as just the nav bar, or maybe it's, it's something like that. Anyway, you can, you can, you can imagine your own, but I'll, I'll, I'll have that as the objective and I'll see how easy it is to implement that. So after going through all this, all this stuff, like watching the tutorials, documentation, if I can implement one simple objective, one simple feature, and I'm happy with how, how it is, that's when I kind of like be like, okay, this is, this is the technology for me. And I go on and I, I, I learn how to use it even more, but pretty much when I'm, when I'm creating that first application, I get that, uh, experience of oh let, let me just google how to solve this let me go to the documentation let's see how this is done how do you how do you install it how do you uh, implement this feature so you you get a really good sense of how you're going to be your workflow behind it and you can kind of apply that workflow further out and see how long it's going to take you to do things and you can extrapolate and get timelines even sometimes this is a great way to get your final like timeline for your client or get your final timeline for yourself even because uh, you want to make sure that you're always staying on time and you're not just spending time for no reason. So those are kind of my, my suggestions on what to do with, with getting up and running w- with a new technology. And, to, and like we, we keep talking about technology, but I'm, I'm assuming everyone knows that we're talking about like frameworks. We're talking about libraries. We're talking about just like little Git, even even like a small little GitHub repo that does like one little feature of a website. Plugins. Uh, Plugins, yeah, for sure, plugins. So really anything like, um, and then like different languages for like servers, backend stuff. So anything can be covered in technology. And this is kind of like the the process I go through in general for when I'm learning. So yeah, I think that's it. Matt, do you have anything to add to this segment or are we going to go on to web news? Yeah, so I think one of the things I was going to jump in, um, but it was for Stack Overflow. One of the things Mm -hmm. that we've had a great success with on Stack Overflow is is what I'll call proprietary questions. So when we were developing for, uh, I think it was, I think it was specifically for lists by design, which is our Google uh, Google Chrome extension. We asked a question where we had this weird saving problem where it was like, if you had two windows open and you open them both up and you were trying to save on one, I think one of them would overwrite each other or something like that. It was some sort of safe bug. And we looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and couldn't find out a way to, because our, our solution was going to be, if I have window one open and I open up a new window and like I have list by design open on both, like we're not going to allow that. It's going to be if I open it on list by I open it on window one and then I click on it on window two to open it, window one will automatically close. And we looked and looked and looked and couldn't figure it out and we posted it and like before I could even accept an answer because there's like time limits and stuff on that type of stuff. Uh, when before I could even do that, they like someone had already answered it. Mm-hmm. So like that that type of stuff, I would say we have a lot of, lot of like good 
like good experience with because we have asked I, th- I believe we've asked a few chrome like chrome app and chrome extension kind of tech uh, qu- like questions on there so stuff mm-hmm. that's like really because i think and also like kind of what you said too is the community's smaller like it's kind of a niche market you know what i mean it's not it's yeah not exactly like that, a, that, that's what i was meaning like any any a, a smaller but you can also have a smaller mar- a smaller community that's also hostile oh yeah right? for sure. Like, so so that, that's why i was saying like just check like I, it's easy to check just ask like just type in the the technology into 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 Stack Overflow and see the questions that come up. Like that, that's all you have to do, and then see how how many of them are like, oh, you're you're dumb for doing this, or you know what I mean, like, or how many of them are accepting and actually answer the question. I even I even saw the other day on Medium, uh, not to like focus on the negatives of communities, but like it's something to really avoid, which is probably why we bring it up so much. But mm-hmm. one of the things I remember seeing was I can't remember what they called it now, like it. Uh, it was like some sort of, it was, I don't touch on this a lot, like in, in my professional use, but it was like functional JavaScript programming or something like that. And I don't like really touch that. Like I just control styles more or less. And they were talking about like how, oh, you, you know, you, you, you've, I think it's called that. Don't quote me on that, but it's like you, you structure functions a certain way. You do variables a certain way. Everything like there's no global stuff. It's like, it's very like, it's just, it's like a, it's like a philosophy basically. And like a lot of people do it. And in the comment, because I, I was reading through it, and we're kind of big on efficiency. And I remember going through it, and I was like, this looks like it's going to run a lot more than it should. Like, it's going to be kind of inefficient. And so I just was, you know, whatever, I was poking around. And I went down to the comments, and immediately people are like, oh, like, F you. Like, this is just the worst thing ever. My for loop is faster than this. And like, yes, like, he, like you're right. But if this hardware, like, if, if this, if this, clearly this philosophy serves something. Mm-hmm. And if the hardware that this 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 thing's going to run on and can can do the extra hundred CPU cycles or whatever, then at the end of the day, who cares? Like I, I'd be fine with him saying like my for loop is faster, and then asking like why why would you do it your why, way? Not why would like, you need it to be faster? Why would you? Well, why would you need to be faster? Well, because he he was saying that like it's 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 more like it's even more programming like it's two functions or something. Mm-hmm. So it was something along the lines of it was like two functions to get this simple thing that this guy could get running in one for loop. And it was like six versus 12 lines. And this guy like freaked out. And that type of stuff happens a lot. And then on Stack Overflow too, you get the 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 guys where like you're new to the tech. Like you don't know what the heck you're doing. And yeah. if you're so new that you're not really sure how to search, like you're not even sure what you're doing. You're like, I need this button to click, but what function is that? I don't know. So you, you look up button click or whatever. You can't find it. And so you're like, okay, I got to ask because it's not on here. And then it ended up being like something like it was like function click, but you didn't know that terminology. You'll get like attacked and saying like, this is like a repost or like, this is a duplicate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like, be wary. Like, I'm not saying Stack Overflow is useless. Like I use it all the time, mm-hmm. but there is that, there is that toxic, like toxicity and it's everywhere too. It's not just, like I said, I saw it on Medium. Like it's not just, it's not just Stack Overflow. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think we can move on to web news. Uh, so, yeah. So, I did the web news again this week because Mike had like quite a like Mike Mike basically the one that engineered this episode. So, um, I did uh, I did the web news this week again, and this week it is focusing on cell phone longevity and endurance. So, what I mean by that is literally the cell phone, the physical cell phone lasting a long time. So in terms of like like not breaking, like buttons not breaking and stuff. And then endurance is in, you know, battery endurance. Like, does it last all day? So 
I'm just going to kind of go through a few of my points and then this will, as always, engage in the start up the conversation. So battery life on cell phones is notoriously not very good. So after several product generations, so it kind of seemed like people were fighting, fighting, fighting for better battery life. People kind of gave up. So people were specifically kind of, there's always that, that fight over like, hey, the iPhone's thinner. Why didn't you just leave it thick? And just like add more battery, like give me, give me more milliamp hours, give me more, give me more storage capacity, right? Or more battery capacity. Mm -hmm. So it kind of seems that once the, and this is kind of around the, the, almost around the Pokemon Go age was once the portable battery scene kind of started to kick off, kind of people kind of gave up. It was just kind of like, eh, I can charge my phone in my bag now. I don't care. You know, it, it, I hear people like, like that's always a stat that comes up in reviews. Does it last all day? But in the same breath, I don't hear the the like outrage when it doesn't it's just sort of like make sure you bring a battery pack you know mm -hmm. that's that's sort of the that's sort of the solution now so one of the things is uh, now i've only used i don't use an iphone um i use i use bb10 and now i use android so full disclosure there um so basically i found i, I personally find that android seems to be very bad at background task optimization um and like apps are constantly like closing so you know how when you're in the multi do they call what do they call that the recent apps window what do they call that thing it's like the multitasking yeah, no 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 your recent apps is the correct recent apps okay recent yeah. that, that, that's what i thought okay so it's mm -hmm. called like the recently the, the recent apps so when you're in that like recent apps thing like you know like let's say you're i don't know typing something out in a calculator and then you go and you use facebook for a bit and you find something else you need to calculate and you'll go back to the calculator and let's say the calculator has to reload for whatever reason so like that that's the type of thing i'm saying is it seems to like you know the ram will dump it because it's like oh you know stop this app from running kind of thing but then, in the same breath, you'll have apps that just kind of take off, and they'll just keep running in the background. Even if you've gone to that recent apps window, press close all, you know, it's still running in the background. It's doing something. It's checking GPS or, or some crap, and it's just it's just constantly running and, you know, running down the battery. So what we see with Android specifically is that since there's multiple manufacturers and multiple versions of their of the Android OS uh, based on those manufacturers, is we'll see, like, special battery management software be added a lot of the time. And sometimes it can be very extreme. Like the S8 Plus has two types of battery saving. So the middle one is like, you know, sort of run in the mill. It like disables certain features. Like it'll slow down the processor and stuff like that. You know, your general battery saving. And then there's like an extreme version that like makes the, makes the phone like really last a long time. There's like an hours figure of how long it'll last. And it'll like, it bans certain apps from running. It doesn't allow things to run in the background. So like Samsung has that and and I'm sure there's other other phones that have various battery saving softwares as well. Another way that that people combat it as well is on like um slightly lower end phones so some so um I don't have a specific example so, but some some like Xiaomi phones and then um I believe the I believe the BlackBerry uh, Key 2 uses like the like more efficient smaller uh, Snapdragon. So like the 600 series is an example of that. So there's a couple of processors in there and they're really good at like being efficient. They're like, they're not, they don't use a lot of battery to do the same thing. But, however, you don't get the same literal power of a flagship model. Something like this, like a, like a Snapdragon 800 series uh, processor would give you. But mm -hmm. now you have this, now you have this back and forth where you have flagship phones have like the best features and the best specs typically, but they lack the battery life and like the, or the or the endurance so like that's a, that's a serious problems and my last final point to kick off the conversation is and i noticed this a lot on my on my g4 and i still notice this on my s8 plus as well is android phones seem to drop in battery performance when you're moving around so when you so if i'm you know at home all day like i work i work from home so if i'll literally just like you know wake up go and i have a long day at work 
and my phone's just in the house and it's on the Wi-Fi, it seems to be fine. But I noticed this on my G4 a lot when it would be like, oh, I got to go somewhere. And I start going there and my battery starts to drop, but it's just like in my pocket, right? Like I'm driving there, it's just in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I know where I'm going, not using GPS, not using the phone. It'll just kind of go ham. Like it'll just, I don't know what it's doing, but it's this battery's dropping significantly. And then on my S8 Plus, I'm noticing, and I think I have this literally turned on, but I have this thing where, and I believe it's from Google Maps, where it will tell me, like it'll pop up and be like, hey, you're near a Canada Computers. Hey, you're near a gas station. Hey, you're near this. And you can click on it and get the information about the business. But that's, you know, clearly it's constantly using the GPS and it's constantly like doing stuff because it doesn't just know where I am without using power. So I think that's a good, those are some good points to sort of kick off the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, how is your, so you, you have a whole phone situation, Mike. I don't know if you want to go over that, but <laughs> you have a yeah. whole phone situation that has unfolded recently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I was good for a while there. Like I had, so I'll start it off by saying I started the year using a Nexus 6P and I've been using that since I bought it. I believe it's two years ago, like over two years ago now. I think it's approaching three. Approaching three years now since I bought the Nexus 6P and I was using it just fine. And um, then the battery just started to degrade extensively. Like, I, I I, mean, it's it's one thing to degrade and then, you know, you know, you only have a certain amount of hours. But my battery would shut off at about 50%. So, you know, I had even less than 50% battery life. Oh, my God. I, me- I remember that in the cold. when Yeah, in the cold. Is it, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the cold, it was even worse. So it's, it's a known defect with Nexus 6P phones, and there's actually class, class action lawsuits in the States. Unfortunately, not Canada, so I, I get left out. Um, but regardless, so I, I tried to go through Huawei's uh, warranty, and they, they were being really weird because they don't have an official presence for warranty services in Canada, or they didn't at the time. I don't know if they do now. But we had to go through a third-party warranty guy, and they, they wanted to take my phone for, like, extensive amount of weeks. And then I read online that it was actually very unlikely that they would even fix it. Like, they would just throw in another bad battery, and so I would be without a phone for a certain amount of weeks and then have another bad battery. So I decided to just do it myself, and I replaced it the first time fine. Second time, I tried to replace the battery after a year because these batteries don't last for more than that. Uh, I cracked the screen. That was my fault. I cracked the digitizer, actually. And... That led me to my next phone, which is the Redmi, Xiaomi Redmi uh, 5 Plus, which is a good phone, and it's great for the price. I think I only paid like 250 Canadian dollars for it, uh, so it's fairly cheap, and I got it on Amazon like next day, no problems. The problem, though, with it is the fact that the screen uh, just burnt out one day. Like one day I was walking in one in I think my aunt's house or something like that and I felt my pocket like burning and I was like holy crap I said I took the phone out and I couldn't turn the screen on and it's like I, I touched the screen and it actually burnt my finger holy god I didn't yeah. know that part Jesus yeah it was actually like super hot like the phone was extremely hot so then I like held the power button it shut it did it, it rebooted and when it rebooted my screen was noticeably like the colors were noticeably to- like really really bad and then all of a sudden I noticed that every app, pretty much every application that I had open would be ghosting in the background of the next application I would be opening. So it's like extreme ghosting uh, happening. So it was like, it was almost hard to read sometimes different text. I got kind of used to it because I mean, that was, I just had to, I just had to learn how to use it. And yeah, so I I don't know, it, it might, like I, 
I don't know if it was my fault for buying a cheaper phone right after that, but I kind of had an emergency situation where I, d- I didn't want to go and spend all that like time researching to get a new phone and spending like an exorbitant amount. We're in Canada, so imagine some like an iPhone X would be about $1,500 here if you want to buy it flat out. Or you go on a, co- on a contract and pay $85 a month. Like I don't know how many people know about the C- Canada's self-self situation but we're probably the worst in the world or i think we are the worst in the world for cell phone plans i believe i believe that i believe that's a true 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 statistic i believe i heard that i believe that it's an actual statistic and uh i mean quote me on it i don't really care because i don't i don't like any of the operators fact check it people fact check yourself come on now (laughs) yeah you can (laughs) say the cell phone podcast i don't yeah saying the cell phone podcast we're not we're not experts in cell phones so yeah so like we, we have terrible cell phone plans and then I didn't want to lock myself into a two-year contract with a terrible cell phone plan, so I just bought a, a cheap phone on on, e- on uh, Amazon, and it, it, everything was fine <laughs> except for that screen. So now I'm on to my next phone, which is the Asus 5Z, and hopefully I just got it today, so hopefully that thing works well. It's like a um, it's only five hundred dollars, and it has all the bells and whistles and snapdragon 845 6 gigs of ram like 64 gig storage with expandable it actually has a headphone jack which is another great trend for people like why why remove the headphone jack i don't understand it Just, uh, um but yeah like battery life so back to battery life actually so the the redmi 5 plus the phone with the burnt out screen has amazing battery life like i could get through a day and a half no problem of heavy use with pokemon go with like any sort of video watching, anything like that, um, which is great. But you look at the flagships today, and there's no real like actual flagships other than the now just recently released Note Nine, Samsung Note Nine, that has like a big battery. So most flagships just have the smaller batteries, and like you said, they're just like, oh, just carry around a battery pack with you. But like, if you're going all of a sudden to Toronto one day. And you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Like, do you really want to have a battery pack in your pocket, even if it's a small one? Like, I don't like carrying battery packs in my pocket. So it's it's frustrating to me that they can't, A, improve the battery technology, which, I mean, that's a whole different story with technology. It's probably very hard to do, and I don't want to get into that. Um, but B, just put a larger battery into a good phone. Like, I don't know. It well the the thing with my G four was I remember because the G the it was an LG G four to be clear yeah and my what I did with my G four is it had a I believe it was a around around three thousand milliamp hour battery mm-hmm. and I I used it for a bit and it was okay and I believe it started out on Lollipop and I and this is I was brand new to Android at this point and I purchased or a uh, I didn't purchase I updated it to whatever the latest one was for it I don't remember what it is now but mm-hmm. the next one. And I noticed that the battery life was significantly worse, again, especially when I was driving around. And I had, like, this really weird problem where... So, we like, we, we were first started playing Pokemon Go down at the park a few summers ago. Mm-hmm. And I was able to charge it from a battery pack. And then it got to the point where... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It was using so much power that I couldn't charge it from a battery pack and <laughs> like, use Pokemon Go. Like it, was like, fu- it was like using so much power that it was like <laughs> just holding it. And, and sometimes it wouldn't hold it steady. Like it was holding it steady. Like it, was, it would used to charge a bit. Then it would hold it steady. And then eventually it got to the point where... And you gotta remember, this phone's like, like a year old at this point. Or like maybe even less. It, it started to like... The battery started to drop. So I went out and I bought a really big battery because the door and the battery were removable, the back door on it. And I bought a really big battery with a case 
And it was like, I, I want to say it was a 6,800 milliamp hour battery. And it, yeah, that thing was great. That thing would rip through it in a day, oh my a God. day. And like, admittedly, like people were saying, like, you should have reformatted it. And I didn't like, maybe I should have did that. Cause I did an update. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there, so there's some stuff I could have did. I could have like went into my apps and like really kind of cut stuff. And I did, like I did go into the battery manager, which are, which is usually terrible on Android. Like okay. looking at the battery usage, it'll be like, I'm not like, let's say I'm down to 50%. It'll like report like 15%. This is how much battery has been used. 15%. It's like, no, 50% has been used. Where's the other like bunch of percent that you're supposed to be reporting on. But it's like, it, and like Linus Tech Tips did a video on one of the battery managers. And he said like, this doesn't even add up to a hundred percent. Like yeah. it'll say like this app used 5%, but it's like, but I'm down 30%. What What's going on here? So yeah, like, it's frustrating. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, unless it's a percent of a percent where they're like, where they're like 15% of the 5% was used by this app. Like, unless it's that, which I mean, it could be, but like, don't do it like that maybe. Cause that's confusing. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not going to pull out a calculator on my phone. That's dying. Um, in order to calculate <laughs> like what, like, come on, like, I don't really calculate what I'm doing. So anyway, so I had the, uh, the G4 was a fucking disaster and like it was, ba- it was worse than the cold, but all batteries are. And, yep. but like the 6,800 milliamp hour battery kind of saved me. And now I have, I have, uh, an S8 plus and the S8 plus like started out really good. Um, so like it, like uh, what I've been told is like device maintenance. There's like an app called device maintenance and it'll like learn how to better battery manage over time. Like to an extent, I don't know. I didn't like research it extensively. So like I, I waited like a month, you know, it settles down and everything. And then like after a month, it was really good. It's kind of gotten like worse now, but I have like a lot more apps on here now too, to be mm-hmm. fair. And so like it's worse now. It's like it's good, but it's like it's a little bit worse now. But I'm noticing now that it's struggling to charge, just like the G4 from stuff. Like I'll be like plug into USB port, and if I'm using it, it won't charge. It'll like hold it steady or it'll drop. Same with the same with like charging from the car. If it's doing if it's doing like GPS, it will either charge a little bit or not charge at all. It'll just hold it steady. I'm noticing that now. Now it could be because of extreme heat because it's hot as hell out here, and the like the the phone is in the window, so maybe it's intentionally not charging. Like, or not charging much because, like, that'll heat it up more. Because mm-hmm. I, I did have that on my G4 a couple times in the summer where it was so hot out. It was literally, like, we're not charging. Like, it's too hot. Fair enough. Like, that's a safety measure. I don't want it to explode. So, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm just finding that, like, the battery the battery life is just is just really terrible. I've been – I've had pretty good luck with actual, like, longevity of my phones. Like, I haven't really had too many problems. My I used to use BB10, like I said, and my, my passport had to be replaced once because uh, the screen had, like, a, just a dot on it. It wasn't a dead pixel. It was, like – you know, if you like have like a like impact damage on an LCD, yeah, that that just appeared on my screen, but it was like in a case and it wasn't like it wasn't dropped and it just like appeared. Uh, so I don't, yeah, so I don't know what happened. So I got like I got it warranty replaced, and then um, I had a Q10 and the Z button just kept like pumping out Z's, like it was super sensitive. So I'd be typing it be like because it's a physical keyboard. Yep. So like I had to deal with that. So I got that fixed. So, I mean, fair enough, fair enough with that, I suppose. But like, I don't know, like it's, it, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, the, the, the iPhone guys, I noticed that a lot of, like a lot of my buddies will have iPhones and they'll, they'll just casually play like Pokemon Go when we're walking somewhere. They'll casually do this and casually do this. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there being like, oh, I, I need my phone till like eight today. So I'm not going to use anything. I'm just going to leave it in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Like I find myself doing that. Um, and, and that's not to say that my SA plus is really bad with battery in any, by any means. Um, I'm noticing that if I put it into the basic battery saver mode, it's rather good. Like it's, it's actually like above expectation. 
So, and I, and I have a bunch of apps, like a lot of apps, a lot of social accounts and stuff. So like, I mean, there is that too. And it's been through a couple of OS updates without, like it's never been formatted. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking I should format my devices after an update now. Yeah. At least sometimes you should, I, I mean, that I do that for sure. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how often is, is reasonable. Maybe once every six months. Something like that. Cause that, that's usually like a OS update, right? Like a big one is like yeah. every six months or so. So like maybe that's a good a good time to do it. Yeah. But most recently, um, I actually won a BlackBerry Key 2 and I got it last week and I just, I'm really paranoid of my phone. So I ordered a, a case and a, a screen protector for it. And I put, I, ju- I just put them on yesterday. So I've been like setting up the Key 2 and like, you know, full disclosure, it's not on, it's not on SIM. It's only on Wi-Fi. So there's no, there's no cellular uh, connection for it. But that thing came out of the box at 47%. And I did an OS update. Uh, I did all my apps, their updates, and not all my apps. There's still some things to set up. I did a bunch of my apps, their updates. And then I was like kind of learning to use it because it's a different form factor. So I was messing around with it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that thing last night was at 18%. Yeah. yeah. I'm like ta- the the like that's, that's processors insane. are ridiculously efficient. Plus the bigger battery. Like, See, that's what I don't understand is like these, these cheaper more efficient phones always pack a big battery but the more powerful expensive phones pack a smaller battery i don't understand the logic there like i would why why i understand sometimes you want them to be thinner but really like i'm looking at my redmi i have them in my hands right now i have my 5z which is my new asus phone which has three thirty-three hundred milliamp hour battery like it's not huge and yeah. i'm looking at my redmi 5 plus which has a four thousand milliamp hour battery, which is significantly bigger. It's not that much thicker. It's not I actually, did, I actually didn't know it had a four thousand in there. I, I thought, yeah. I thought it, I didn't know that. I thought it was just super efficient. Yeah, it's super efficient, and it has a four thousand. So it's like that's it. It, it just doesn't die. No matter what I do, and I, I just leave everything on. I leave all my sinks on. I don't, I don't even worry about battery life. Like battery life is an afterthought on that thing. On this yeah. thing, I'm thinking I'll probably have to worry about it a bit. But from what I've read, it has. Like the the newer generation processors, the eight forty fives, the you know the newer ones that came out last last year, they've been pretty good with battery life. So I'm hoping that that stays true. I don't know for how long. Like you're saying, like sometimes at the start it's good, then it's bad, then sometimes it goes back to being good. I don't know. I think, but I honestly think that that like to an extent, like that that's Android. Like even Wear OS, yeah. like my my watch. Like the battery is starting to get a little older, but like mm-hmm. literally by like 3%. Like I'm noticing a 3% difference at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So like normally I will only charge my watch every other day. And at the end of the day, it's normally at, I, I believe the number was around 68%. Now it's around low balling 63%, usually mm-hmm. like 65. That's normally what it's at, usually at, which is fine. And then I'll just use it the next day and it's fine. And it has like quick charging, uh, like it charges to 50% in like 20 minutes or something like, something like that. Mm-hmm. Some sort of quick charge thing. It's a Zen Watch 2 for anyone who cares. But There we go, Asus. Yeah, it's another Asus. So anyway, so but like what I'll notice is sometimes it'll just it'll just it's dead. Like at the end of the day I'll be looking at it and it's just already dead. Mm-hmm. Something has like been like, "Oh, uh GPS." And it's just like use GPS the whole day. Yep. Or something. Like some like some sensor was just going off for some reason and it just and I haven't like it wasn't like I was heavily using it. Like if I'm heavily using something, fair enough. Yeah. But like all of a sudden it just just dies, like you know what I mean. It's like, well, good, you know. It's so frustrating. It's especially when you're out. Like you, you were just at uh, Fan Expo, right? So how how does your how is your battery life there? So I put it on. I put it on. Uh, I put it on the battery saver, mm-hmm. and I charged it up, and I charged it up until about 
let's say I got up at eight, but I took it off the charger probably at eight thirty, mm-hmm. and I didn't use. I didn't use GPS or anything. You actually turned off GPS or you didn't use it? I just didn't use it. Like I didn't, okay. like a, a lot of people, like when I'm going somewhere, a lot of people, be, a lot of people will just navigate. I don't do that. I just, okay. unless I need it, um, gotcha. which is why I mentioned it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I didn't like use GPS or anything. And I, we, we got to, we got to our, our parking space, which was about 25 minutes from the convention center. Mm-hmm. And we, we walked to the convention center, which was a 25 to 20 minute walk. And I played Pokemon Go for the majority of that. I took a few pictures while I was in the place. I didn't really use the phone because, like, it's a convention. There's stuff to look at. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, a few messages here and there to people that I was with to coordinate lunch and stuff. And then we came out. We went to dinner. We played Pokemon Go toward dinner, at dinner, and then leaving as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's maybe a little over 30 minutes, I want to say, of Pokemon Go. And probably like probably closer to fifty because we use it a little bit in the streetcar as well. And like my phone was at I like it was a it was crossing the threshold, but it was around. It was starting to get low, but it made it, it like I made it all the way home. That's with the battery saver on. That's with yep. the mid the mid tier. Like I said, there's a mid and there's like a max. Mm-hmm. And. And like the the mid tier, like it, it's it's admittedly slow. Like you can tell, like even typing the animations are slower and stuff because it's it's intentionally holding back. Yeah. But the thing, and and I think it turns down the resolution as well. But like it, like admittedly, like that's good. Like that's good enough because considering like I could just not not play Pokemon Go. That's a pretty big application, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like three D games, the GPS is on. I'm walking around. It's hot as hell out, so like that's going to affect the battery. Mm-hmm. You know. But like, I mean, that's really good. But like, if like I took the char, I took this thing off the charger. I just remembered actually, I didn't charge it last night. I took this thing off the charger uh, last, like last night before I went to bed, and uh, I can actually just check right here, check the actual like, check the actual usage. So I haven't used the phone actually too much. Like I read some news in the morning, and like I may watch a couple of YouTube videos or something like that. Mm-hmm. So right now it's at fifty one percent, and if I go to the actual battery usage chart, it's. Uh, it took, came off the charger 14 hours and 23 minutes ago, and the, the the screen has been used for one hour and 52 minutes. So device idle. Oh, I mean, I'm going to name the percent, but God knows this is accurate. Has used like four percent, but there's like weird stuff too, like um, like stuff like like uh, OneDrive just used one percent. Like, what was it doing? It's only supposed to sync when I'm when I'm uh, plugged in, if I remember correctly, unless I've said it incorrectly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that just used one percent. I didn't even open it. Yeah, it's some weird stuff. So like weird, a, weird stuff goes on that we don't know about, and like, there's weird, there's access to things that that applications have that they shouldn't as well. Yeah, yeah, which is frustrating. Like you, you specifically, um, Pokemon Go notoriously recently just was caught having access to device storage, even though you you don't give it permissions. What the heck? Yeah, it can read, it can read your application. If it can read if you're if you have a folder that says something to do with root so if it's a magisk magisk which is the new root application super su if you have anything named that not like the actual application installed if you have anything on your on in your phone on your sd card named anything to do with magisk or super su it will ban you or not ban you but lock out your pokemon go oh they don't they oh a lot of these apps are starting to do this right they don't want you to have a rooted device yeah exactly so it's like the, and yeah i don't i don't really like that the, because we don't give it explicit uh location 
or not location, but explicit uh, storage rights permissions. And right, yet right. it can still do that. So it might be targeting like a different API or something like that, or a different, it might be using a different thing. Like maybe Google exposed something in its code where you can just kind of ask it if it has a certain folder on the device without actually going to the storage. But I still don't like that because that's still kind of doing that anyway. You're still getting access to the storage just through a third party, which is kind of frustrating. But And then, and then like, if you think about it with those like backdoor channels, like not necessarily with device storage, but like mm-hmm. if they have backdoor channels to other things, they can just be running the GPS to like be like, where's he at? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like for whatever reason, like where's he at? I want to sell this data. <laughs> like, yeah. like honestly, um, I just noticed too, I just, when I clicked into the, the, the actual app, so like in the settings of the mm-hmm. one, like in the, in the settings of like the, the system settings, I can like click on an app to see like its usage. Like I yeah. said, OneDrive, and there's actually a thing called optimized battery usage. I didn't know this. Yeah. And there's a whole list here of like stuff that's not optimized. You can optimize it, but it says, uh, if you enable it for like enable, uh, enable optimized battery usage for individual apps, some functions such as those that, that use mobile networks or sync data will be restricted to save power. So that kind of sucks for chatting apps. Cause it's like, Oh, like I just not going to get my notifications. Yeah. Like, like, or chances are, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I'm, well, I've had, I've had that before, like many times where I've had like WhatsApp, not give me notifications because like, what it's is it probably doing? being like optimized. Like, don't do that. Optimize my other applications that are actually using my battery. Don't optimize my chatting applications. But <sighs> the thing is, is like there is like a whitelist for stuff like that. Like I've whitelisted. There's a few apps that are automatically whitelisted in the device maintenance app for this type mm-hmm. of thing. Where I think I I think WhatsApp's one of them. But like I've gone in and you know done BBM WhatsApp Hangouts, um, and I've like manually done that. Like there's like unmonitored apps. That that's what it's called in in the S8 Plus software. So like. I go in here and it's unmo- like like Messenger is unmonitored, uh, it's like Snapchat, WhatsApp, those type of things mm-hmm. are unmonitored, and my home, my smart home alarms because I don't want them to be like, oh, don't send him that there's a problem in the home when, <laughs> like, because my battery, you know, I want to know right away. But then there's always there's like some that are like always sleeping. Like for example, Prime Photos, Prime Photos, man, Prime Photos was using like ten percent a day. I wasn't even using it, and it and and it was set. To only sync when I was plugged in and on Wi-Fi, and it was admittedly working like that. What it was doing that, it was just running. Like after it backed up once, it would just run, and I was like, I have to, I, I had to delete the app, and I had to reinstall it, and it started doing it again. So I added it to the, to the always sleeping apps. Like I can't, like you can't be running all the time. What are you doing? Yeah, that's weird. Oh, freaking Android, man. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know what type of. Uh, solution we came up with with this in this conversation i don't think that i don't think web news is about <laughs> solutions i think it's about problems that have no solution or that we know <laughs> and conversations so, yeah like like ugh. it's frustrating but i mean if anyone if anyone has some solutions you feel free to contact us and let us know we'd love yeah. to know we'd love to know what you guys do for for these kind of things but we're right now we're kind of stumped the thing is is, is the one thing that really bothers me is there are people that and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to my key too, so I'm gonna get, okay. give that a go to see with a with an efficient processor for a bit. But um, the one thing that really frustrates me is a lot of people will just like use their phone unkempt, and I've noticed like I noticed walking around for example the convention center, uh, LG I believe will have like when you're in low battery mode it'll it'll like put like orange on the top and bottom. And yeah. then, like, there's a couple others that do, like, red. And I notice a lot of people, like, midday are walking around with that on. Now, maybe they've triggered the, the, the mode to be on all day so they can run around. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're kind of, I'm kind of at a point where 
these phones are so powerful and they can do so much. And like, for example, in a Samsung phone, you can use decks like a, like a, like a desktop. And admittedly it charges typically depending on the dock you have to, to engage decks. But in the same breath, it's like, I don't like, I'm, I'm intentionally not using my phone and that's not a good thing. Yeah. And I didn't know this was a problem until I left Blackberry. I had like, I started out with a 9,700 Went to a 9900, and like the 9900 was a joke. Like I would just use that thing for like three days, mm-hmm. and then I went to a. It must have been like a Z10. Z10 wasn't great, admittedly. Z10 wasn't great, but the the Q10, like the Q10, I would just like go for a rip. Like I didn't care. I GPS it. I would do anything. It, it didn't. It didn't matter. And then it's like I don't know. Just Android seems like it's unkempt. Like maybe it's because it's fragmented. Yeah, well, I, I think I think it. Yeah. Java, Java in general is not a very efficient uh, programming language. So, I mean, they're fixing it slowly, I would say. But um, I've heard rumors, uh, and don't quote me on this one, but I've heard rumors that Android Pie. So, if anyone's getting Android Pie, they might they might have some solutions to this. Right. I'm um, hoping that's true, because that'd be great. But yeah, we'll do you, see. Do you think? And I have not seen it. Do you think that, like I said, like some some of my buddies will just like. Use Pokemon Go or whatever while they're. I always use Pokemon Go because it's probably the most demanding game I can think of. Yeah, you're right. Um, they'll just like open up Pokemon Go or something with on their iPhones and just like play it. I'm wondering if the iPhone is like way better. Like I'm I'm seriously curious as to whether I took my battery experience now because people bitch about the the iPhone battery. Yeah, they do. But, the, but those people might be only iPhone guys, so they've never seen. Maybe they haven't seen an improvement or whatever. But they're they're only seeing iPhone stuff. Yeah. I'm wondering, going from Android to iPhone, uh, your one friend, uh, Scott, did this, right? Where he, he hated the Android battery life or something? No, that's the exact opposite, actually. He went to, he got a Redmi 5 Plus, because I suggested it to him after his phone kind of uh, died. Uh, it wouldn't last on battery, so, and he had an iPhone 6 at this time. So he went to the Redmi 5 Plus, and... Uh, yeah, he loved the battery life on that thing because it didn't die. Like, it literally, he literally couldn't kill it in a day. And I believe the the reason that he switched back to iPhone is because he had he was engulfed in that ecosystem. So he had Apple Music, and Apple Music notoriously doesn't work very good on Android. And especially, like for some reason on the Redmi 5 Plus, it was even worse where it wouldn't even play songs sometimes, and it would just cut out. And the, his Bluetooth audio wasn't working very well. So there was there was a lot of reasons his battery definitely battery definitely wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. And even after he switched back to an iPhone seven. Uh, he messaged me and he's like, damn, I missed that battery life. So I don't know if iPhone is really the solution to battery, especially because what, what they notoriously do, and this is, I'm pretty sure has been proven, uh, is they slowly, they like in, in software, they'll, they'll make it seem like you're actually discharging slowly from a hundred to about 70 or 60%. Yeah. And then it'll discharge quicker, like at, from 60 to zero. So it's obviously a software trick where, like, you'll, you'll you'll see and you'll notice your phone's discharging slowly, initially, and you'll think that it has great battery life. But that that's something that I've I've heard that they do, and I believe has been proven. Um, and their their batteries also degrade, and they also have that problem where they shut off in the cold. I don't know how much that's prevalent on iPhone eights or X's, but I know for sure seven sixes they all they all had that problem. And I remember the five, I remember everyone got a five that's in my other podcast. Everyone got a five at the same time because they were mm-hmm. just like, just so happened their upgrade cycles lined up. Yep. And holy Christ, were they on the charger a lot. 
That's like, what I mean. Holy yeah. Christ. Like, they do have the best standby time. There's no doubt about that. Like, I, I have an iPad here, and I charge that thing once every, like, three weeks. Oh, the iPads are... Fec- I have an old iPad mini, the original, and it's yeah. fantastic. But that's what I mean. Like, iPhones, if you don't use them, if they're just sitting on your desk, they'll, they won't lose percent. But if you use them... <laughs> but if you use them, they go down, like, crazy, too. They're just like an Android. Like, there's there's not much of a difference. Oh man, yeah, it's so. it's it sucks. Like it the the other thing right when you said that when you're using it when uh, Pokemon Go just again Pokemon Go but Pokemon Go suddenly just started crashing when it wasn't running. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we I were talking about this before really. the show. Like I was just in. I think I was. I think I was literally in the calculator or I was in BlackBerry Hub reading my email and it just was like Pokemon Go failed to like or like has crashed and I was like what? I didn't even use it today. Yeah, I've heard about this. Like, I've heard about this happening. So I haven't ha- hasn't happened to me, and hopefully it won't. But like, that's a, that's a weird thing to happen. And because the because yeah. the process is just on, like it's just yeah. it's just running. It doesn't it doesn't know how to shut it off. Like it it must be. Yeah. It has to be. What really sucks is that like sometimes it's like super stickler. Like it'll it'll make it so strict, like that it won't let like pro- like processes of chatting apps run. Mm-hmm. But then like one random app somehow, however they do, it gets through that like security wall or like that battery saver wall and just like starts like running the gps like a on, honestly like on, my, on that g4 the gps was running on about four or five hours a day like if you went into android settings it'd just be like gps five hours They're like what is it doing <laughs> it needs to know where you are man and Support, people didn't people did not it. believe me like people were like no it's not doing that and i was like i will literally get 20 percent more out of this battery if i shut off gps and i did for a long time i just turned it off i was like that's it i just can't use it then yeah <laughs> Like it's ridiculous. Like it, you don't need to know. I'm yep. not. I'm not against it knowing where I am if it's something that I'm going to use. Yeah. But I don't like that it was on and it wasn't giving me anything. Like what? Come on, man. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, I think we should. Uh, we should let the people go. Yeah, let we them get on. Get on with their days. Go learn some new technologies. One might say. Yeah. yeah. Good. So let's uh, let's let's run the conclusion here. So actually, just before again always be plugging remember that we may we might <laughs> remember that we might have yeah. a little tiny uh sort of tidbit episode about a planning session that we're going to be doing regarding html all the things.com that'll be released as a non-full episode but within our podcast feed so give that a go if you're if, if we do do it so make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're on uh, and again, thanks for listening. You can find us on all the socials, or most of the socials, at HTML Everything, and that's on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at HTML Everything. We're also on Medium and GitHub. All these links will be in the show notes. You can also just, of course, look us up. HTMLAllTheThings.com is coming soon. And make sure you leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening to this on. Hit that subscribe button if it applies. And we are signing off. <laughs> <laughs>